Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. My name is Chris Sauter. I am one of the lead pastors here at Neighborhood Church. My pronouns are he and him. Um, and thank you for spending time with us, <laughs> Janine Buck. Oh, now it's good. Yes. Sorry to make everyone have to, like, lean in. It's It, it was hard. Um, <laughs> all right. So we are only online today. As you can see, there isn't, well, you can't see, but I, we have all these awesome tables set up, and it's just me, myself, and I. Because COVID um, is real, apparently, right? I guess it just doesn't get, it's not just like a, a miracle, it just goes away. It's here because uh, I had it. And it's running through um, several houses of people who um, make neighborhood happen. And so we decided just to give one week off to give people a chance to recover, to uh, make sure that we're not spreading it in any shape, way, or form. Um, and I can tell you that I've never been, and I'm, I'm fully vaccinated, I am boosted. And I have never been that sick in my life. It was, um, it was rough. <laughs> so that was about 12 days ago. And sadly now some other people in my house um, have it. And no, everyone is fine. I was the one that had got uh, the most sick. I think it's because I am incredibly good looking. I think that's just how, how it works. Um, but I am glad to be off quarantine. I'm glad to like not cough every three seconds. I'm glad be walking. So here's to all my friends who either you are right now with COVID or you had or you're still with the um, ramifications of it, um, or maybe you had someone you loved, or maybe you even lost someone, um, you are not alone. COVID has a way, even without being sick, COVID has a way, this pandemic of just making you uh, feel isolated, making you feel um, that you have to hide away from things. It feels there's a lot of fear uh, around it as well. And then when you get it, it feels even more um, isolating. It's hard to move. It's hard to even, it's even hard to think. So I just want to say to all you who are watching that you are deeply loved and you have a deep sense of belonging, uh, not just here at Neighborhood, um, but with this good and beautiful God. And to those of you who are still struggling through it, um, you can do you can do hard things. This is who we are as a community. We're here to help. We're here to um, come alongside people. And so, if there's anything that we as a community um, can do to help you, to come alongside you, to remind you of that sense of belonging, or like I had to call my neighbor, my buddy Kyle, because I needed tea, and no one else could go get tea because we were all sick. Um, and it felt honestly, it felt odd because I like to be imagine this. I like to be the one who's the helper. Um, and then he's like, dude, if you need anything, just let me know. And it like took me like a half hour to like, well, okay, maybe I can like triple mask. And maybe and I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm like, Kyle, can I, can you get me some, get me some tea? And uh, he was able to. And it reminded me of the beautiful thing of being in a neighborhood, of a neighborhood church and being in a community of where when you can be vulnerable enough to ask for help, um, when you can actually like release yourself that you actually might need help and then clarify that, 
there's something really beautiful in that. And so if we can be that to you, um, you can email us. You can find all our contact information um, at neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Um, and we would love to come alongside you in any way we can help. Also, this whole thing of neighborhood, we are wrapping up our budget for 20 we are in 2021, right? We have uh, we we are um, finalizing a budget for 2022, and um, we, we always said that we'd be upfront and honest with our community of how we're doing. Um, we uh, had to make again uh, cuts to our budget for 2022, like almost every other church that I know. <laughs> Most organizations, um, uh, people who own businesses that I I know, uh, they have to cut their expenses because that's what you do when you're responsible. Um, community. You have to make the budget uh, work to your income to meet your expenses. And so we had to cut, um, uh, we had to cut uh, several of our, um, our, our staff uh, wages uh, across the board. And as a team, we are absolutely willing to do that because we believe in this community and we want to do everything we can to make sure that these doors stay open uh, for people who, like, like me, I need this community. <laughs> I absolutely need, need this community. And so what we're inviting people to is uh, for 2022, if this place has brought some sort of life to you, if this place has brought some sort of um, belonging to you, uh, like if this, this place has added value to your life, we would um, invite you to consider becoming a sustaining member. A sustaining member are people who give financially, commit to uh, X amount of money every paycheck or every month, um, I know one. We had one um, per one friend give one lump sum for the whole entire one t- entire year, um, and that helps us be able to build a responsible budget so that we know what we're working with, so we can continue to do good and beautiful things in um, in Carleton County and St. Louis County. And so um, we'd love to have you join us and support us financially if neighborhood is something that is enticing to you. Um, and if you want to talk about our budget, you want to talk about. Um, our cuts to uh, our wages, or you want to talk about how we set up budgets. I, I like. I'm a huge like church business and church government nerd, and it's kind of why I'm in. I'm in the business, right? But if you ever want to talk about that, we would love to sit down and answer all your questions about where your money goes and how it gets spent, and um, how we forecast of what we're going to spend. And that whole budget it gets put together not by me, luckily, but by our our, our board. And our board is um, is absolutely amazing. So, again, neighborhoodchurchmn.org if you'd like to give. Um, you can also go in there and download our program. There's no singing today because it's just me. And actually, like, uh, my partner, Nikki, put out, like, a bunch of Christmas carols that we were supposed to sing today. Um, and I thought, about, well, maybe we should do one together. And then I, I no, no, thank you. I don't, that's, no one wants that. So, um, but what we are going to do, I'm going to talk just for a little bit. And we are um, talking about Christmas. We're talking about Advent. And... Uh, we're going to be talking about the like the Mary song, which is uh, absolutely one of my favorite pieces of scripture. We're going to be talking about Joseph and his dream with this angel and wanting to bail on Mary, and how that, how even that story can bring life into this whole new light of of Advent. But I thought, instead of uh, doing that, I thought, why do we celebrate Christmas the way we do? Right? Why the why the trees? I don't know if you can see the little the little lights. Why why the Christmas tree? Why the lights? Why a feast? Why a meal? Why even gifts? Because if you look at the story of 
of, of, of Emmanuel, of God with us, of, of this God becoming this baby, this vulnerable little human, um, there's not a lot about Christmas trees, <laughs> right? There, there's not this big, there's not this big like meal sit down, right? There's no ham. <laughs> Imagine that, right? How did we come to this? And I, I listened to this interview and I reread part of his book uh, by Alexander John Shy. And um, it's brilliant. And he is a historian and he is a um, He's a historian and what else is an anthropologist. And in this interview, he was talking about the, the, the mystery of Advent, the mystery of um, darkness. And he uses the word uh, mystery or myth, right? Uh, as, how did he say it? That sometimes we hear the word myth or mystery and we think of fable, we think of story, we think of something that someone concocted, something that made up. And what he believes is, when he uses the word mythicism, it's something that is so um, obscenely true, something that is so uh, fully, over-the-top, uh, transcendent truth that you can only speak to it in metaphor. Like God. When we speak about God, we think of God like a father. We think God uh, like the wind or God like the fire. And words we use are all in this story metaphor. And not because it isn't true, but when something is so transcendent, like uh, even, uh, even the idea of God, God, how do you put a name to a God that can never, never be fully named, right? How, how do we, how do we uh, attach reality to something that transcends all the reality, right? We can, only can speak about it in metaphor and not because it's some fable because it's the only way to point to the truth it's the only way to be able to illuminate even for a moment that experience of that good and beautiful god and in the the story of advent there is all this deep deep wonder and mysticism and how we got to where we are because if again if you look at the the the, the early church of celebrating christmas in the way we do now it's just it's just not not there, right? And how did we come upon it? Because the early church is this group of, of these, these, these individuals that absolutely believed in what the Christ told them to do, right? Before Jesus ascends into heaven, he says, go into all the nation, go into all the world, and tell of this, of this gospel. Tell them of the good and beautiful news of what it means to be human, that there's this new way of reality, there's new way of being human. And they believed them. And so they go out, and the book of Acts is this beautiful story of, um, oh, one second, we have a visitor. One second. Hi, Melody. We're not doing... All right, friends, we have Melody here. Hi, friends. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for coming. Um, oh, man. Okay, sorry to brave out into the cold again, friends. <laughs> Bye. All right, thank you. I, see, before when we were, we were alive, we never had people come because we were in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> That's the first time I had to, like, catch someone. Um, so thank you. Thank you for <laughs> sticking with that. Um, what was I talking about? Oh, these the, people. So the book of Acts is the story of them believing 
the, the words and the works of Christ, that they go out and they start with, with Pentecost and they start speaking in people's native language about this good and beautiful God. And then it goes to these stories of how it spreads around from community to community, from house to house, of where outsiders were once out, now they're in. And it tells the story of Philip who meets this uh, um, Ethiopian eunuch and it's like he's like, uh, wraps up in the spirit and is transported to this place. And he baptizes this Ethiopian, which in this story, in this tradition, Ethiopia to them would have been the ends of the earth. That when it came to the, 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 uh, what, the, the Roman kingdom and the influence and the sphere of influence, all that, Ethiopia at that time was as far as they could imagine, as far as what civilization was. So it tells a story of this radical inclusive, including this radical belonging that just keeps playing out over and over and, and over again. And they did this because they believed it. They believed in the redemptive work of Christ. They believed that uh, in, in death and in resurrection, resurrection life means that we get to participate in the belonging and the renewal of all things. That even, even death, even oppression from the enemy, even the oppression from those who are trying to say we don't count and we don't have value, we don't have life because we're not part of the beautiful people, what resurrection life says that you and your body and your voice and your art and your work, it all belongs and it matters. And it's played out in conversation and table to table, from party to party, from conversation to conversation. And it's such a beautiful story. So then it continues on, right? And again, the Christmas story, of course, was something to be celebrated. It was something to be to known and something to be reminded of the beauty of, of Emmanuel with us. But how it was celebrated did not, did not look like how we do it until about the 3rd or 4th century when Christianity began to get to more of the northern hemisphere. And there they bump into the, these people called the Celts. Right? Maybe you've heard of them. And, and the Celts were a people that were from like Turkey all the way up to Ireland, and they uh, settled around like three, four hundred BC. And they're these deeply mystical, beautiful people, very in touch with the world that was happening around them, very uh, attuned to the rhythms of, of creation and the sun and harvests and, um, and their growth and their people and their story and the way they celebrated, the way they grieved, is all intertwined, all intertwined with. Um, this creation narrative with this creation story. And so what these Christians do, they stumbled upon these people. And it's very different than the stories that maybe you've heard before of where it was more of a colonization, more of, of Christians showing up on the scene and, and demanding converts and forcing assimilation into their way of life, into their culture and how they grieve and how they worship. It, it's nothing that's the farthest from the truth. Now that is true. That definitely it definitely did happen. Christianity has a very dark um, history, but also has a very beautiful, inclusive history as well. And when they came across these people, what their, their whole goal, their whole intent of doing this, any group that they engaged with was to, um, was to learn. They took a very curious mindset, a very curious approach of where they would listen to their stories. They would see how they would celebrate. They would see how they remember the people who have gone before them. They'd see their rhythms. They'd see their, their meals and their festivals and how they did family and how they celebrate. Like they, they would take all of it in and learn. And then they would begin to highlight of how this Christ and this divine love has always been there as well. They would, they would look to add value to their story, to their story as Christians and the people and to the Celtics as well, as a way of revealing it's always been here. 
there's nowhere in this world, there's nowhere in this life that we could go that the Christ is not here. Which to me is this beautiful picture. This is like what I love about Christian. I, I say this, and I'm in a room by myself, but I say this all the time. Of I've never loved being a Christian more. I've never loved the, 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 the mystery of, of, the, of the sacred scriptures. I've never been more in love with the divine because of stories like this. Is that this idea of including and belonging, and not just including to be with you, with me, but me also belonging with you, is this beautiful picture of the Christ. And here with the Celts, what they're doing at this time, it's the winter solstice. And the winter solstice, what the Celts believed was that there would be the sun that, imagine this, in the northern hemisphere where it's cold, they're like every other civilization was dependent on the sun. But they believed that the sun uh, would not just bring um, life to economics and to their family, but also take care of those who are most vulnerable. It could make them so they could move outside and be warm and be with their family and be with their friends, right? There was a sense of belonging with the sun. And after the harvest, they believed that the sun would begin to wind down, that the sun would begin to die. On winter solstice, the, the longest day or the shortest day of the year, the longest period of night, they believed that the sun would die. And there would be several days of where they would have uh, festivals, they'd have meals, they'd have this tree that they would hang, in the, they would have a tree in the center of their community where they would hang fruits, right? Oranges and apples, uh, or not oranges and apples, but they have different fruits that they would hang there as a way of remembering the harvest, as a way of remembering and thanking to this divine love, to this son of what is to come. And on the third day, they could begin to see and notice the sun began to put off new life. For two days, they believed the sun would just stand still. And the third day, that new sun began to bring the hope of what could be. They believed that there was a new sun that was just on the brink. And when these Christians heard the story of the winter solstice, they were able to, they were able to identify and say, in, in the same manner, we too believe that there is this darkness. There is this, this void. There is this, this sense of waiting and longing for this new light. There is this new sun. There is this new hope that will bring life. There is this, this divine love that is in waiting, that is in transit, that is coming close to us, but we still have to wait for it. And with that new light comes new hope. And with that new hope is not this, this instant gratification. It's not this big blow-up thing. It is this slow becoming. It is this, this new sun uh, awakening and helping us awaken to the reality around us that we are not alone. That this new sun awakens us to the reality that there is light. There is belonging. There is life. There is new energy. There is vitality. And it's coming if you're willing to sit in the dark. And what a beautiful picture. And it's here of, of how we came to this Christmas feast. It's here how we bring in this tree. It's here through these different outside experiences, these outside rituals of, of people helping us each other illuminate something to celebrate, something 
worth sitting down in the darkest night, in the longest season. Imagine this is a time of a people, a northern hemisphere, as, as far away as you could get from where they feel that warmth, as far away as you can of where you can go out and go back into the fields and do your jobs. And if you're a person who's vulnerable, if you're a person uh, who, who is not as uh, able-bodied, those long nights are incredibly alone. And so that hope of a new sun for all people is a reason to celebrate. And this is how we came as Christians, how we put it on our calendars on December 25th, of how we have a feast, a Christmas feast. And the whole quick, this is like uh, nerdy, but right, the reason that they picked this date and the winter solstice is because they had, um, uh, who was the, the emperor, right? They had um, the, this, this Caesar, uh, essentially the Caesar um, uh, calendar for a long time and only had 362 days. And so Christmas or uh, December be, like, would move around as in if uh, what holiday, not holiday, but what season it was because it, the, they didn't have the full calendar of, of the sun being problematic. Then they get the Gregorian calendar and change, and the church has to put this date on something exactly, right? Well, now there's 365 days, and they pick December 25th because it's three days after three days after the winter solstice of when there is the new sun to be celebrated. There is the new life, which I find absolutely beautiful. And this is why I wanted to talk about this. To get ready for Advent. To get ready for Advent is you can't appreciate that new sun. Like, you can't appreciate that new life. I read, I read this week is that Emmanuel, Christ with us, God with us, is an invitation back into the garden. We don't know what it's like to have an invitation back into the garden unless you're in exile. You don't know and be able to appreciate that light until you can realize the darkness that's around you. And it sounds really dark. It almost sounds a little defeating, right? But thank God. There's times that I beat myself up. Like, oh, man. Even, even when I was sick, it was like I just didn't have a lot of hope. Not, not like if I was going to make it or not. I just felt really heavy. I just felt really isolated, felt really alone. And this morning when I woke up, I saw the snow, and I'm like, I get to choose. I get to choose what kind of hope I have. Because that hope is real. The hope of, of Christ, the hope of that divine love, that hope of that I, even me, like me, Chris Sauter, I belong as well. That I'm included. And not because I do enough things or I do enough right things, but that that belonging has always been inside me. That love, that radiant light has always been there. And in the hard things, in the darkness, does not mean I don't have access to that hope. That doesn't mean that that light is now disqualified. No, but there's times where I I shut it out. There's times where I, I call God a thief and a liar. There's times where I make my situation is that I am in some unique predicament. The beautiful thing about Advent is that hope is available to all. That light is radically available to anyone who's willing to open their eyes. But unless you can see that there is darkness, unless you can finally become aware 
that you have pain in your life, that there is loss. Man, our, uh, our what do you call it? Our culture hates death. Our, our culture hates anything that appears that it might be weak or, or dying or aging or old. We have this idea of celebrating what it means to be strong, means to be happy all the time. It means to always be winning. The idea of loss. I, I honestly, I I don't know. I don't know how people can keep convincing themselves of that. Because what it means to be human is to mean that we might have a need. It might mean I might have to call my neighbor for help. It might mean that I need to listen to my body more and rest. It might mean I need to cry over that friendship I lost. It might mean that my job is really hard right now, right? A lot of our jobs are really hard right now. And to turn a blind eye to that is to missing out on the beauty and the opportunity, the fact that that hope, that entrance back into the garden, that entrance back into that feast has always been there. So here's, here's to my friends who are in the dark. Here's my friends who are grieving. Here's my friends who are feeling lonely. Here's my friends who around Christmas time are reminded of the people that they love that they have lost. Maybe in death or maybe in being fully you, your family has said we don't appreciate the full you. You can go somewhere else. That light is here and that hope is here. There's a song and I'm going to read a poem after this. There's a song um, that uh, we used to teach our kids when they'd get scared. Um, and I thought about this morning, and it brought a lot of hope to me. And it gets so, it's so silly. <laughs> I don't know why I'm singing it, but it starts off by our kids, we tell them, say, uh, no, no, Satan, don't you bother me, right? Like these, these lies that I'm making true don't bother me anymore. And then it would transition to, uh, because I belong to Jesus. And I belong to Jesus. And I belong to Jesus. And that little statement, that little song, me reminding myself, I belong to Jesus. Why? Because there is this new life. There is this new son. It came to us in a manger came to us as a vulnerable little human. It came that looked like me. It came to be me. So I can fully belong to it. So here's a poem about darkness, and then I'll pray. It's called In Praise of Darkness by John Daniel. In darkness, I remember that it is not knowledge to which we most deeply belong but mystery. And I sense in the mystery of night a beauty that exceeds even the great and notable beauties of the daylight world. Let's pray. So God, we love you. And I thank you for this deep sense of belonging. And even in a room alone, <laughs> even in a dark season, 
even in a snow-nami, even being in Advent with friends, with family, or lack thereof. Thank you that you came to us. And this darkness does not last forever. This darkness does not bind us to the dark for all time. But even in the darkness, even in the hardness, that new light shines brighter. And I pray that we'd begin to awaken to that new light. We'd be able to see that new sun popping up over the trees, popping up in conversations, being exposed around a table, and that when we'd see it, we'd recognize it. And when we recognize it, we take it on. That we'd be able to welcome that light in any fashion. And that would illuminate those places that we are desperate for light, that we are desperate for belonging, that we are hungry for love. Because you became us so that we can be with you. Help us be able to celebrate and worship and honor you this Advent season. We love you. Amen. All right. Well, thank you, friends, for joining me for the best (laughs) half hour of your lives. Again, if there's anything we can do to add value to your life, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at neighborhoodchurchmn.org. And we'll see you next week. It's Donut Sunday. You're welcome. We'll be back in person. Uh, Have a good rest of your week, friends.